Well, good morning, everyone. Wake up! No, good morning. Well, guys, we are so excited that you joined us this morning. Uh, I was really just encouraged by Pastor Edgar's exhortation. And unlike P.E., as we call him, Pastor Edgar, unlike him, I really uh, did not have that. I was traveling through my neighborhood. Um, it was completely the opposite of that. I, I think for me, like over the years, Christmas has kind of evolved into something a little, little different. Um, and I think, you know, initially when I was a kid, right, like I was, I was excited. I loved the idea of what was going to happen, right? Christmas vacation, we have the movies, we have, you know, the food, we have all these things. And one of the things I, I also did when I was a kid, I, I, if you know what I mean, you know, I'll make little peepholes and I'll peek inside to see what was in there. And it was just really hilarious. Because, oh, there we go. Because, you know, like, and I think I was slick. And when I put a little tape over them, because I, feel, I felt like my mom wouldn't notice that very thing, those little peepholes that I had to see what was going on in there so I could see what I was going to actually play with. But one of the things is that as I noticed, as I got older, Christmas didn't have the same meaning anymore. You know, maybe it's, it's the gift buying. Like, maybe it was just because that became, like, almost a chore. Like, oh, man, we have all these people. If you know my wife, she likes to buy gifts for every single person in her family, like my second cousin, third cousin, fourth cousin. I'm like, my gosh, we had an entire spreadsheet of people that we were getting gifts to. Maybe it's just the money spent because it's like, man, I, I really feel like we're being a little irresponsible with everything that's being spent. Maybe it's, you know, the Christmas is coming every year earlier and earlier. It seems like, you know, it's like first it was like December, now it's November, then it's October. Now they said like really they start releasing things in um, Labor Day, right after Labor Day. They call it the, the holiday creep. And so it's like all these things seems like for me it's, it's making this time very stressful instead of a time of joy. And I forget the true meaning of Christmas. I forget where it all started. See, the thing is that Christmas didn't really begin or start with shepherds watching over the flock and wise men following a star. It didn't begin with a couple trying to figure out how they got pregnant. It really started with a couple worrying if they would ever get pregnant. See, we get Jesus was born in a major, and if we get that, if we know that story, then who really needs Christmas? Would you pray for me this morning? Father God, we, we thank you for your gift, your, your gift of life, the gift in which you've given us. God, we thank you that there is hope beyond what we can see because of you. You're, you're God with us, Emmanuel. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us this morning in areas where it seems like there is no hope. God, help us see your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the, the Christmas story begins with God making an unbelievable, 
on impossible promise to Abram and Sarah or Sarai. This couple, unlike Mary and Joseph, worried if they would ever get pregnant. Many of us may know a little bit about Abram and Sarah, Sarai, and we knew this much. The Bible says is that they were very old. They were very old, and they were believing for a child, and Sarai, her, her womb was barren, and they strongly doubted that they would ever actually have a kid, a child. But, but this is moment when God spoke to Abram, giving hope, a dream, a something that he never thought would happen, bringing life into that. Right before I prayed, I asked, the, asked this question, who needs Christmas? And the answer is, the world does. The world needs Christmas. The world needs hope. We need hope because it's the solution for doubt. See, abiding hope foils doubt. How can we live a life of hope on earth, and especially in this season? First, we, we start with God's word. Secondly, we respond with obedience. And lastly, we, we share the blessings. See, let's define what biblical hope is before reading our text, because I think it's, it's imperative. I think it's imperative because the reality is that we, we know that everything the Bible has written and, and defines, typically society has its own definition. And this is what it says about hope. And, and the thing is, is this, it says, uh, I want to... I want to say this is that hope is not having an, an empty promise or a wish or 50-50 chance that something will work out in our favor. Hope is actually carries no doubt at all, but it's certainty that God will always keep his promise. I love it when I go on the college campus and I'm talking to students and I'm asking them, hey, how did you do on your test? They said, well, uh, do you think you did well? Well, I, I hope so. That word so, it, it's, it's really correlates to, to doubt. And a lot of times we, see, we do that as well. It's like, well, you know, we are hoping for the future, but secular hope is, is a hope that's not filled with God's promise, not filled, founded on faith. And we see that godly hope, biblical hope, reveals and shows that God always keeps his promise. Let's jump into our text this morning, Genesis 12, verse 1 through 4. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your family's house of the land that I will show you. And I will make you and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in all the family in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. And at this point in this text, Abram was a successful businessman who had a, a loving wife. He was very wealthy. But his family was, was a pagan family. He, he didn't really know too much of who this person of God was. He was rich in livestock, silver and gold. But what he did not have was hope. What he did not have was the word. 
See, we have to start with his word. See, the Lord appeared to Abram, and in telling him to go from his country, he is calling Abram out of paganism, out of his comfort, out of his riches. And we see what Abram is doing in this moment. So you can imagine that doubt that filled this moment in his mind. He's wondering, thinking about, man, I have to leave my country. I have to leave my family. In this time, people didn't leave their country or their family because the reality was that other countries were all about conquering. They stayed in their nations, in their tribe for protection, for security. But it says that God said he is going to bless the nations, but nations didn't bless. Nations conquer, nations enslave, nations reign over other nations, nations did not bless. So how could you make a nation of me when calling me away from everything I have? When I have no sons of my own. See, Abram knew the facts. He knew that he was old. He knew he was 75. He knew that his wife was barren. He knew that God was calling him away from his home to a distant land. But he did not allow the facts to overshow the truth of the words God spoke to him. See, I'm guilty sometimes of letting the facts overshadow God's word, his truth. I know the word, I, I know the scriptures, I've seen God show up multiple times in my life, and yet still there are moments in my life that I allow these facts to take over, to bring doubt into my life. This happens sometimes when I, I oversaturate my mind with social media, and I'm looking on what the news says about all these things that are happening in the world, world whether it's the variants, whether it's happening with things in politics, this happens when I begin to start looking at my problems and try to figure out my own solution for these things and what I can provide to this. This happens when I get busy and I don't have a consistent time to spend with the Lord daily. When do you tend to doubt and lose hope? When are these moments in your life when you see that doubt is starting to creep in? And I think this is where we all come into a place of saying, you know, there's these moments like this do happen. And we have to start with the word. See, hope starts with God's word. See, Abram's doubt crumbled when he heard God's words of truth and promise. God said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your names great. I will bless those who bless you. Abram's, Abram's trust and emptiness of paganism and unfulfillment of riches was redirected to something real. He had hope in hearing the truth of God's word. And it wasn't until the Lord spoke that his hope was founded on that truth. And I think there's, there's these moments, right? We're talking about these moments in our life that, man, there's, there's sometimes that there's emptiness that blocks our belief. You know, what unfulfillment is deepening your doubt? What are these lies that are you starting to believe in? Although they may be factual, are they rooted in truth? See, hope starts with the word. See, abiding hope foils doubt. Secondly, we see that he responded in obedience. As we look in verse 4, it says, Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. 
Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. See, God's speaking is, is a seed of hope. Our obedience is what grows it to fruition. Let me, let me say that again. God speaking is a seed of hope. Our obedience is what grows that into fruition. So you can't force something to grow. You still have to wait its appointed time. And this was the beginning of God's promise to Abram. Abram wasn't perfect by any means. You see in verse 4, it says that although the Lord told him to leave his family behind and go to the land, God will show him. He still brought his nephew along. See, he displayed a partial obedience, but his partial obedience did not deny God's perfect promise. It delayed it, but it didn't deny it. See, Abram and Sarai waited 25 years to have their son Isaac. Abram later in Genesis 16 ends up marrying Sarah's uh, maidservant, Hagar. And both he and Sarah have become impatient, waiting for God's promise, and still had not born a son. And the thing is that we may not always get everything right. You can ask my wife, you know, this weekend, nonetheless, that I will not ever get everything right. But like Abram, he serves even though he may be imperfect, I, we may be imperfect, but God is still full of grace. His grace is a kind that sends a perfect Savior for the imperfect people. And I, I love that. I love how God operates and he continues to show his grace and patience. I remember several years ago, I, I had just lost my grandfather and I was really just struggling with this loss. And, you know, I was already a Christian, a believer in the faith. And I remember I, I was praying, and the Lord told me to go to the campus. He told me to go to the UT campus and wait. And he said, and I want you to, to speak to two people. And I remember I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, two people. I'm, I'm here mourning. I'm here thinking about all this stuff. And God's telling me to go to the campus. And he gives me two names. He says, hey, I want you to talk to a Matthew and a Joshua. And I'm like, man, how am I supposed to know the Matthew and the Joshua versus, you know, all these other people on UT Austin campus? And as I'm sitting there, I'm waiting. And I'm like, man, he looks like a Joshua. Ah, uh, man, maybe not, maybe not, you know, maybe. No, no, he looks like a Matthew for sure. And I'm sitting there and I'm debating and I'm like getting in my head about all these things. But one thing I knew is that God gave me two names. He told me to show up on the campus, and he told me to show, share his word. And after about two hours, I, I mustered up the confidence to speak to the first guy. And as I introduced myself, I said, hey, what is your name? He goes, my name, my name is Matthew. Right after that, I, I, after I finished with him and prayed for him, I went to this, uh, the next guy I talked to, and then I introduced myself. I said, hey, what is your name? He says, my name is Joshua. And to me, it was so interesting because uh, although I was hesitant, although I didn't go all in and go, go home on the campus and start talking to everyone, even though I still had some seeds of doubt, I stepped out in faith and in obedience, and God showed me that stepping out, that he would show up every time in order. So our God, although we may take some time to go all in, He's still, his promise still reigns true. 
And this, this moment, this was just a seed of hope for me, for future things, that I know that although I may be the one messing things up, God keeps his promises. Although my doubt might get in the way to, for me to actually go on, that God is bigger than my doubt, and he keeps his promises, that he's faithful. And now I know his promise, that he is our hope. See, abiding hope foils doubt. See, it was abiding hope that the Israelites had and held on to as they were reminded of God's promise to Abraham to make them into a mighty nation. Within a span of 2,000 years, we've seen the rise and fall of Israel with well-known leaders such as Moses, Joshua, King David, Solomon, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we see how this moment really allows us to go into my last point, which is to, to share the blessing. See, the full Christmas story from God's promise to Abraham all the way to the birth of Jesus is a reminder of God's timing and his faithfulness. Let's look at verse 26 in, in, um, in Luke. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married, to marry a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered why, wondered what kind of greeting this may be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be the great, and he'll be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father's David, of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relatives, is going to have a child in her own age, old age. And she, who was said to be, uh, to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. Mary answered, may your word to be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. See, we, we see that the first thing Mary says during her encounter with, with the angel Gabriel is, how can this be? See, her facts was that she was married, but she had not yet con uh, consummated her marriage with Joseph. See, in the Jewish customs, there were three stages of marriage, which is really, it was really interesting as I was reading about this. And the first one, the three stages of uh, of, to a Jewish wedding, and that day was the engagement. It was a formal agreement made by the fathers. Secondly, it was the betrothal, which is a ceremony where, where mutual promises are made or vows. And lastly, it was the actual marriage ceremony. And what was so interesting about this is this took actually nine months to a year when this bridegroom would come in and on an unexpected time for his bride. And they would celebrate with lanterns and they would have all this amazing celebration. And which was what typically the reason for that was that nine to 12 months is because they wanted to see two things. 
One, this allowed the, the male, the man, to be able to find a house for his new family. And then secondly, it allowed them to see if this person, uh, this woman had a, an affair during that time, if they were pregnant. And so this was the main reason behind this. And we see, as we're looking at this and how this marriage unfolds, and they're betrothed in this moment, there, there's still some, some hope in this with, with Mary. See, see, she's considering the risk of not only completing the betrothal, the betrothal ceremony, all this took more trust in God, in the Lord, than we might actually think. Wondering, like, God, like, are, is this going to work out? Like, is he going to uh, divorce me? Is this going to cause me to end my life? Because at this moment, this, she would have been potentially uh, stoned because of her being pregnant as she was engaged. But she agrees to receive a pregnancy that would be suspicious in that time, in that culture. See, Mary identified herself with sinners so that the purpose of God would be fulfilled. And I, I love this because it's not only, not only for that purpose to be fulfilled, but it was that word that was spoken to Mary, not only her word, but also to fulfill the word that was given to Abram 2,000 years ago. In Genesis 12, 3, when God spoke to Abram and says, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, he's coming back full circle. Abram's promise was being fulfilled. Galatians 4, 4 uh, and 5 says this, that when, but when the set time had fully come, the set time meaning when there was peace amongst the nations, when there was a common language, when roads were being established and boat routes and everyone was in one place, God sent his son, born of a, a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. See, the blessing of all families of the earth started with a promise of a son, Isaac. And was fulfilled through Abram's lineage by the birth of a son, Jesus, the hope of glory. Earlier I shared that I, I lost the, the true meaning of Christmas. And it wasn't until a couple weeks ago where the knowledge of Christmas became a revelation of Christmas. Uh, Matt Redmond says this about knowledge. He says, information may inform the mind, but revelation sets the heart on fire. Last Tuesday, um, last Tuesday, November, I think it was November 23rd, I remember sitting in the parking lot in Chick-fil-A waiting for a meal to deliver to uh, a meal train. And I was just thinking about all the things that have lined up or happened within this week. And I, I just knew that, you know, man, this has been a heavy week for, for Tori and myself. Not because of what we were going through necessarily, but because of the people in our lives, uh, the things that they were going through around us. You know, we've received phone call, text messages of people being in a hospital. I've got two yesterday of two people being in a hospital rushed to the ER. Uh, we've seen countless deaths within the last two weeks within people in our church and friends and families. Uh, we've seen just different issues in monks' families, whether in marriage or with kids. And it was just like, man, the burden that we felt 
It was just starting to weigh on us. And this moment just, just hit me. And I was like, man, Lord, if there wasn't no Christmas, what hope do I share? What hope do I share when there's issues in our lives? What hope do we proclaim in our life, in, in marriage, in our finances, in our kids, in death? What hope do we preach? In that moment, I was just, just bawling in tears and just thinking about, man, God, I am so grateful. I am so thankful that you sent your son for us. And as I'm like bawling in the driver's seat, I hear <laughs> the Chick-fil-A ladies there of all <laughs> the mill. And I'm just, just trying to reconcile all my thoughts and get myself together. And like I said, it's, it's, we have the knowledge of Christmas. But we need the revelation of Christmas. The relation of Jesus, the hope that we have. The hope that reconciles us back to him. The hope that restores all things. The hope that resurrects things. The hope that we give in moments of crisis. The, moment, the hope that we give in, in times of need. So who needs Christmas? The world does. See, God is, is so gracious and so loving and knowing every need that we have that his son was the, the best gift that he can ever give us. And this is the hope that we have. The hope that on Christmas this, our Savior came down humbly came down and born and, and was born in a major and he grew up and he lived this perfect righteous life this amazing sinless life a life that you and I should have lived and then died the death that you and I should have died in a resurrecting on the third day proving that he was the son of God and saying if any of us would choose to abide in him, choose him, put our faith and trust in him that we will have hope. And this is the hope that we have, this victorious hope that starts with his word. And it calls us to be, to respond with obedience and for us to share in blessing. Church, will you stand with me? This moment, this morning, I want to just take a moment. I want to take a minute, want to, to really posture our hearts to actually give God thanks and gratitude as we're reminded of his gift to us. You can just close your eyes and just meditate and just give God praise in your heart. Just start thanking the Lord for what he's done. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for everything that you, that he's completed uh, through you and around you because of the hope that we have in Christ. And then secondly, I know that everything the Lord gives us, the hope that we have, is not just for us. The same way that he blessed Abram, that says that all families will have this hope, will be a blessing because of the lineage in you, the gift of Jesus. 
I want us to really just take a moment to look at how can we share this hope this week? I know Pastor Ben sent a message out through Clearstream saying, giving you a couple opportunities, right, to, to bake cookies for a neighbor, to, you know, sign up for a, uh, was it, the Christmas tree, to be able to give a, a kids a gift. Um, but I, I believe that the Lord is, is really, us, really is bringing us in and pushing us to a place where we're to share this hope, to share this good news that we have in Christ. This week, as we, as we live out this message, be reminded of that. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you for the good news. The good news of the hope that we have in your son. That this promise was spoken years before he even came to be on this earth. The awaited promise. But now we get to say yes. But now we get to operate out of that promise of hope and live a life of hope and share that hope this week. Share that hope as we live your message, God. God, thank you so much that you bring revelation to us. God, change us. Help us see what you want us to see. In your name we pray. Amen.